I'm John. And I'm Keith. And this is Flutterboard and Little. Your somewhat reliable source of information for most things, John. Most things, Keith. Included but not limited to? Intelligence. Intelligence. So welcome here in Gasden, Alabama with the rain and the Flumadiddle Studio and Psychology Research Lab. Yes, an institute. An institute. An institute. Yeah. We're going to talk about intelligence today. Yes. Um, something we don't know a lot about. Right. <laughs> because this is your somewhat reliable source of information. We are. We're at least, we have a somewhat of an intelligence. <laughs> we got something up there. All right, Keith. So interestingly Source-up, enough, um, I got some background in psychology. Uh, that's right. No graduate level. Yeah. Well, a little bit of graduate level. So work. we are qualified to talk about this. Well, at least half of us. You know how, like, if you would have done something, you would have learned something about cars 25 years ago. Yeah. Now cars are totally different. You probably retain more than you think you do. Oh, though, probably so. But I kind of think this, people, when you start talking about psychology and you get into what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about different types of intelligence. All right. And we're, but we want to start with, like, what is intelligence? What do we mean when we say intelligence? Uh, so how, Keith, That's how smart you are, John. Exactly. So if I say, hey, that's an intelligent fellow over there. What do mm-hmm. I, Generally, we mean he's smart. Smart, yeah. But we're going to be talking about some vocabulary because what All does right. that mean, Keith? So is intelligence a generalized sort of situation and ability, or does it relate to specific tasks and abilities? That is the question, John. That is the question, and lots of different psychologists and psychiatrists over time, have they don't come to a... A one particularly or particular conclusion on that. Yeah, it's a debated topic. It is. So sure. when we think of something like IQ, which yeah. stands for intelligent intelligence quotient. Quotient. Have you ever taken an IQ test? I don't know that I John? have, Keith, but I want to pretend like my IQ is one hundred ninety-seven thousand. Uh, Can it th- go that th- high? I don't think so. I think one sixty-four. It goes is in the, the hundreds. I, know. I got a question. I think 164 is as high as it goes. So how do they know that like Nikola Tesla is like a 189? Do they have to have since like he a... Ever took it, since he never took it. Yeah, well, I, well, or maybe he, he probably did. Because... I don't know. Or other people. Let's say Hawking's. You know, they, they, it's probably above the 164. So it's like, how do they know that? Like, do they have to come up with a new test for him or like a yeah. special test? Like, I guess oh, it goes well, smarter than this test. I guess it could be however high it wants to be, right? So because... To calculate the I mean, IQ, if you're just making up your own IQ. Mine's like, you but do you know, know how to determine that? Like what they actually divide and whatever. I have no idea. Okay, so the mental age is divided by his or her chronological age, and this result is multiplied by a hundred. Mental age, right? It's so divided by his or hers actual age. No, based on how high you rate on this test. Okay. So there's this idea of chronological age. So if a twelve, if a ten year old. The way these tests are standardized and figured yeah. out, we're not going to get into all that. But so we're talking about the Stanford Binet test here. Okay, I don't. I've taken two of them. I don't know if that's one of them I took or not. Most likely, I got it off the internet, and so, so it's probably legitimate. No, I'm sure it must be. It's at least somewhat reliable, <laughs> yeah. right? So there's the idea of your chronological age, which is whatever it is, right? And your mental age. So that's how they get the number. So I guess depending how I old you are, I feel like I'm 29, John. Okay. That's my mental age. Okay. <laughs> I'm no, going to ask based actually, on what. I actually feel like I'm like 79 right now because of my recent back I know. Surgery. We've had a lot going on the last year or so. But that's IQ. And the IQ is really more of a generalized yeah. intelligence thing, right? Okay. 
So what is before we get much further? I guess since we've already jumped off on this bandwagon, what does IQ measure, Keith? Um, reasoning skills, I would think. Well, there's actually several things that measures from my research, John. But I don't know if you got the same research that I got. So there was there's knowledge based questions, there's crystallized intelligence, and there's fluid intelligence. Right. Is that what you got? We're um, get, we're barking up the same tree. Okay. Yeah. So knowledge based questions would be. Like, you know, who is who was the first president? George Washington, right? That's knowledge, right. and those are culturally different. So you, very much, yeah. So, so you'd have so a different you'd have IQ to have it standardized yeah, to a different place. So for the stand- United States and you would Japan or something, right? Like that. So um, the the crystallized is more complex knowledge questions. So it'd be like the difference between climate and weather. What's the difference? You know, right? Like, that would be a more complex, abstract question, right? Um, well, it's not abstract, but it's more complex. Uh, and then the fluid intelligence is where the logic and and reason comes in, the problem-solving skills, problem-solving questions. Right. That would be the fluid intelligence. So, and let's let's break it down to the streets here, Keith, since streets. we're in a gas in Alabama. The street intelligence. What we're talking about is, as a matter of fact, when we're growing up, we're, we're getting all psychological right now, but we're going to keep it mainstream as we go along too yeah so you've heard of people being uh let me just put this blank smart yeah name some blank smarts blank every two like fill in the blank with a word this Uh, fellow over here is street smart smart blank okay i got you this fellow over here, oh, he's real book smart. You okay. ever hear stuff yeah. like that? Oh, he's, I got to see where you're going with this. So thing. this yeah. guy's got a lot of common sense. Common sense. Or this yeah. guy's real smart, but he has real intelligent, but he has no common sense. Right. Walking around. Walking smart. around sense. Or yeah. walking, walking around, around sense. sense. Yeah. That's a good one. Those are the kind of words. So people are aware of this concept, even if they don't use these particular psychological yeah. terminologies. And it seems like you almost have people with high IQs that don't have those things. Right. right. And we're going to get into that a little later, too, and of what's more important. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast, John, because I have my own thoughts about that. On how that works. Yeah. So the Stanford-Binet test of IQ, it includes cognitive ability, fluid reasoning, which you talked about, Mm -hmm. knowledge, quantitative reasoning, which is like mathematical type stuff, visual spatial processing, and working memory. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, wanna, I saw where memory was a part of it. Yeah, and I want to hit on this too. You mentioned the cultural aspect. That's going to come back really big. You like you can't take some kid, or, or let's say you take a twenty-year-old young man who grew up in a tribal society. Yeah, pick anywhere you want to in Asia or in Africa. Right. Who was considered incredibly smart and intelligent based on the criteria that that tribe had, right. and put him into give him a Stanford Binet test, yeah, and think okay he can't even score a fifty right. or seventy five because he may because think a coat bottle came from the gods. Who knows? You know? But you ever seen it movie? also I am. Yeah, that's right. a good movie. I forget what it's called though. The gods must be crazy. The gods must be crazy. Yeah. Okay, so you know, like for instance, culture, the whole cultural thing. Is a big one, right? Because in certain societies, certain things have value. Yeah. Okay. So See, I always wondered about that when I was younger. It's like, so does intelligence? 
measure if it measures certain knowledge then can you gain intelligence as you get older because then you, you gain knowledge as you get older well the iq know? test they say stays pretty similar all your life yeah i read that but those things are standardized yeah. for our society but you would think though that it wouldn't because you get more knowledge as you get older but it's not the only part of the test though right exactly so think of this key for a 1992 study found that kenyan parents defined intelligence as the ability to do without being told what needed to be done around a homestead. Oh, my kids are stupid. I'm just kidding. Like, yeah, wouldn't you like your kids to just walk around and look like, hey, the garbage needs to be taken out. Hey, yeah. the dishes need to be put up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the vacuum cleaner needs to be run over the floors. So on that scale, your that son and my son, yeah. son might score an intelligence quotient of two. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the one thing parent, all parents I think want is like, hey, let me tell you, let, let me not have to tell you to do something. You just do it without me telling you. you well, know? and they they define that as intelligence. So there's a lot about definitions, and that's why I put this note in here. When we talk about intelligence, we have to be careful not to argue about definitions. Yeah, and we have to be able also be aware of not to judge others based on these contrived ideas of intelligence. Yeah, but see, I wouldn't even think that would be a good measure, though. Really, John, myself, I mean, because like. That has a lot to do with culture as well, because like, you know, American culture, a lot of kids are so spoiled to their parents, like they don't, they wouldn't walk around and feel like it needs to be done because they think their, their parents, parents are, are going to take care of it. You know, right, right. But let's say like, American and Europeans have an emphasis on speed and economy and stuff like that. Some Ugandans though define intelligent people as being slow in thought and action. Yeah. So being slow and thoughtful and about these what IQ you're doing. tests you're talking about are based on speed. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, so, they time you. So, all right. So let's move on from there a little bit. Um, I got the thing I wrote earlier about street smart, book smart. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard anybody say that fellow there don't even got walking around since? Yeah, I said that one earlier. Walking around. Since. Did you? Oh, yeah, we did say yeah. walking around since, didn't we? Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing. Let's talk about that key. Okay. So there's a lot of different kinds of uh, intelligences. Possibly. So I disagree on that, but we're going to start, and then I'm going to throw it your way. Into the multiple intelligence theory? We'll get there in a second. So there's a guy named Spearman. Let me flip my paper. Okay, so Spearman concluded there's a single G factor, which represents an individual's general intelligence across multiple abilities, and a second factor, S, refers to specific abilities. And his areas were mechanical, verbal, spatial, and numerical. So Mm. all these things sound familiar. Then we move on from there to a guy named Thurston. Thurston. Thurstone. Thurstone. Primary mental abilities. Keith, I'm going to read these words, just read some words to you. Okay. You're going to start to see how we define intelligence. I met a guy not too long ago in the job we do. I'll just say he was a family member of, of, of a fellow I knew one time. Okay. He was very articulate. Yeah. Had a very high verbal and word fluency. Linguistic intelligence. Linguistic intelligence. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. So this is way before the multiple intelligence stuff right. that we're ultimately is going to be the meat of the podcast. But let me just say what this guy Thurstone came up with. Okay. Word fluency. Verbal comprehension. A guy named Thurstone would come up with fluency. Fluency, <laughs> right. <laughs> Numerical ability. Okay. Spatial, spatial visualization. Perceptual speed. Memory and inductive reasoning. All right. So we're starting to see the groundwork, right? Yeah. So this, I was about to ask, so is that laying the groundwork for the guy who'd come up with a theory of multiple intelligence? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. All this is leading. These are just some of so the. He really didn't come up with it. He's just a poser. Well, this guy, like I, think, I think Thurstone had more of an idea that 
you had seven primary mental abilities. Yeah. But it all came together into one intelligence, I guess you would say. Now, we're going to skip over Gardner right now because that's who we're coming back to. I just heard that Ray Liotta died, John. I saw that, man. And you know who else died? Who's that? A member of Depeche Mode, the famous band. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Ray Liotta, and I talk about movies, how some good fellas, man. Yeah, I know. That's one of the great gangster flicks of all time. He had an angry intelligence. Boy, he was something else (laughs) in that movie. Yeah. So, the triarchic theory of intelligence. Okay. I like it. Triarchy, three. Nice and simple. Analytical intelligence. Yeah. I like three. It's good completeness. It's, it's like a trinity, yeah. trinitarian kind of thing. It, it just works. It's just, it's it's a, it's a wholeness and a completeness. You got right? one is single. You got two. It just seems like there should be another. Three's complete. Three's it. Yeah. All right. So analytical intelligence. This is what a traditional IQ test measures. All right. Creative intelligence is the ability to go beyond what is given to create novel and interesting ideas. That's kind of like the fluid intelligence you talked about. Right. Yeah. Crystalline happens where you've, as you get older, you've got more crystalline intelligence because you've learned more and more stuff yeah. over the years. But early on, you've got this fluid intelligence. Maybe you have a problem, and because of your previous experiences, you're able to use your kind of abstract reasoning and previous experience and all this to right. figure out how to do stuff. So I like this one, Keith. The reason I wanted to mention this guy in particular is because he he has a component that I think fits in with some of our stuff. Okay. Some of our southern stuff, Keith, about being street smart and having walking around sense and common sense. <laughs> there you go. He has something called practical intelligence. Practical. Now, that sounds like what I'd want to have. Exactly. You know? And that's why I wanted to throw this into the mix. I mean, think about it. Practical. It's practical. useful. Right. Right. I mean, it's great. I love playing. You know, I've encouraged our boys maybe to go play a trivia game in there called right. Tip of the Tongue. Yeah. I love trivia. Keith, I got more useless knowledge about music. Now, it's not using or about old albums and music of the last 50 or 60 years. And it's not useless to me. I enjoyed gathering that up. Right. But I've only got so many people that I can even begin to dive deep in that kind of yeah. stuff with. But practical well, intelligence. See, whether Keith, something is useful or not is subjective, though, John. It's very much subjective, yeah. Keith. So, practical intelligence is the ability that individuals use to solve problems faced in daily life. When a person finds the best fit between themselves and the demands of the environment. Okay? So you either okay. use knowledge gained from experience change to suit the environment. You change the environment to suit oneself, or you find a new environment in which to work. Key. So that's the practical intelligence. Now, let's go back to Gardner. Okay, so Gardner's... So Gardner yeah. is who? This Gardner guy, guy. Howard who, Gardner. He's the guy who came up with the multiple intelligence 1983, theory. Keith. Yeah. He was a Harvard... Developmental psychology professor. Yeah. So that's like not too long after I was born. I'll just say that. And he thought, we have to redefine it because this kid, I mean, he's just, he, there's nothing that can Keith define was what born. he is. So, so we what are we going to do with him? Right. So exactly. we just can't put him in any kind of category. And we'll talk, that's a different psychological topic later called delusions of grandeur, Keith. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. So what did he propose, Keith? Do you know? Well, you know, it really depends on who you look up on if there's eight or nine. You know, but his was eight. I there believe. was eight. There yeah. was seven initially, um, and then quickly after that, eight. Yeah, and then some people added a ninth, but I don't think that's yeah. from him. He considered several more later. Yeah, but anyway, we have just several different types of intelligence that explain intelligence as a whole. So we'll go through them. The first one would be spatial intelligence. Spatial. 
Um, All right, Keith. So what do you think that might be? Just listeners out there, think about that yourself. You know, obviously it's visual and spatial judgment. Um, exactly. Characteristics of it, John, you might be good at like puzzles, patterns. You you, you interpret visuals well. Maps and you directions. Know, maps, directions, stuff You know, like I have that. a pretty good ability to, back before all the Google stuff, mm-hmm. if I ever went anywhere one time. Yeah. Because I used to drive back and forth halfway across the U.S. going to college and back home. And so if I ever drove anywhere one time, I could always get back there yeah. again. So you probably have good spatial intelligence. Spatial right? intelligence. I would say I probably I think we don't. all rate yeah. you know, on a scale. On different ones of these, yeah. Um, the, the next one is bodily kinesthetics intelligence, which is physical movement and motor control. I mean, you might think of athletes. Think like a sports star, an yeah. athlete, some, or um, dancers, ballet. Yeah, you know. yeah, people who are in excellent phys- physical condition, coordination, those kind of things. Okay. Um, they remember by doing instead of hearing or seeing, you know. Okay. Uh, another one, John's probably something you're good at here. Another one you're probably high in is musical intelligence. Musical intelligence. I like it, Keith. Yeah, John is um, a amateur musician that could go pro probably. All right. He's very good. So. <laughs> Rhythm and music, enjoying mm-hmm. singing, playing instruments, recognize musical patterns and tones easily. I do. I have a sense of that. Yeah. I have a good ear, although I'm not highly educated in music. Right. The, the idea of a rich understanding of musical structure, rhythm, and notes. I can hear it and know, yeah. kind of tell what's going on and dive in with and it. I'm so not gonna say, and, and all of these, you know, it's not to say that you can't be become musically talented without having, you know, it would take a lot more practice if you don't have the musical intelligence. But you could become musically you can talented develop without that. it. Yeah, developing it. But I think what this is talking about is people that kind of have it naturally. You know, Can I interject right there, yeah. Keith? So the idea is, with the you know we talked about the IQ, they say remains relatively constant, right? Despite the knowledge you learn, where I think some of these. Now we get back to an age-old thing in psychology, Keith. Mm-hmm. Where we don't argue, but it's two N words, and they both have a U R E in them. It's nature and nurture. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? Is yeah. it the environment they grew up in? Right. Or is it, is it genetic? Right. And I've read a really, I've been really reading, that is, a really interesting book, Keith, that really plays into this. It's called The Laws of Brain Joe, which is a play on the word banjo. Okay. And it's a neuroscientist, a neurosurgeon, a neuroscientist who decided many years ago he was going to play banjo with no real musical talent. Okay. And he wrote this book over the years because he is now a very accomplished brain surgeon and banjo player. Oh, wow. There you go. And he he is not very big on the idea of nature at all. Right. Due to new findings in terms of brain science. Yes. He's very much that these neural pathways can be built and expanded. Yes. And if you know how to do these things and study something like music intelligence, you could grow big time in a lot of these. Right. Through the correct. And we'll practice. get more into the different debates and philosophies. Um, I feel like it. You know, people with high IQs seem to lean toward the nature. The people with lower IQs tend to lean toward the nurture part. You know, it's like. It's like, oh, I don't want to give up this power I have of having a right. high IQ. I don't want you to say that I that you can practice and be as good as me. But you can. But then the people who don't have the high IQs, they're like, well, I want to say that I can. You know what I mean? Hard so, work beats talent every day, kid. Right. I think so, too. And we'll get into some of those philosophies. But, right. yeah, uh, I would say my son has musical intelligence. My okay. oldest son, he plays the drums, and it just came – it was very natural to him. You know, he didn't – it didn't take a lot of practice for him to, to get it, you know. Right. 
Whereas sure. me, it would take a lot of practice. Um, another one is linguistic intelligence. We kind of mentioned that earlier, obviously, with words, words language, language, writing. Yeah. Um, another one is logical mathematical skills. Do you have that one on yours? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so that's analyzing problems and mathematical operations and stuff like that. Um, understanding complex computations. Um, Enjoy thinking about abstract ideas. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about that with math, but math can get very abstract. So, very much yeah. so. Um, the next two or two I think I have high on. I, actually, I think probably I'm pretty high on linguistic, but maybe not as high as you. I think. You I might, like the linguistic. Let me throw something in on, on the linguistic one. real quick before Go you ahead. do the next one. So because we're hitting a lot of this high-level stuff, but to relate to the the listener here, doesn't mean you're going to be necessarily this wordsmith or a um, or a writer or whatever else. But you know, a lot of people remember written and spoken information better. Yeah. Enjoy reading and or writing, debate or giving persuasive speeches. Right. Yeah. And see, some of that stuff's what I'm good at. It's like debate or, and persuasiveness. Here's one that you like, Keith. Are able to explain things well. Yes. Yeah. If you have this desire and ability, that comes along with the whole teaching thing. Right. If you're a good teacher. Mm -hmm. You want to explain, and you can use your words to help others understand things. And yeah. that's that—that's a biggie, Go right? Ahead. And all my spiritual gift tests say I'm a, a teacher. You know, is one of the top ones, right? And I, that probably has the same uh, something to do with the same thing. You know, the oh, linguistic intelligence. Man. But uh, yeah, and um, you know, it's like you said, it's not to say that you can't become better at linguistics, even if <clears throat> if you're not good at them. It's just you almost have an easier time being articulate if you have this intelligence than right. other people do naturally. You, you know, know what word comes to mind when you say that? What's that? I think rather than intelligence there, maybe maybe the nature part of it is we have a certain aptitude. Aptitude, yeah. That's a good word for, for things. Mm -hmm. Keith, that's the word of the day. Aptitude. That's what they used to call our test. Not a bad attitude. Aptitude test. There are aptitude tests, yeah. and they measure something specific, Keith, which we'll talk about. So later. after after uh, logical mathematical skills, you have two that I think I'm good at is <clears throat> interpersonal intelligence and intrapersonal intelligence. All right, what's the difference, Keith, between interpersonal and intrapersonal? Um, well, intrapersonal would be like yourself, like introspection and self-reflection. Kind of know, I would say knowing yourself. Yeah, you the know? intrapersonal thing is uh, having an understanding of yourself. Interpersonal is obviously knowing other people. And connecting with those. And I we're going to talk more about that here in a minute yeah. with a little something called EI or EQ. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, I feel like those two probably go hand in hand. I feel like if you're good at one of those, you're probably going to be you're good at the other most one. likely. Because if you're able to know yourself pretty well, you're you're able to know to be able to relate with others, I think. Right, um, I feel that. And vice versa. And then the last one is naturalistic intelligence, and I feel like this is one my brother probably has oh, very I could, much. Oh, yeah, so, I see know. that. Yeah, from, it's from just kind of seeing patterns and relationships to nature. Um, you know, and it, when in his younger days, he was a big hunter, mm -hmm. and he could bring in the deer like nobody's business because he could he would know where they're at, you know, and he could right. see them. And just seeing those patterns in nature, it's just crazy, you know. Um, and even today, like, my wife had poison note recently. We run into my brother at, at Publix, and he's like, oh, you know, if you, you take some of that uh, plantain stuff and rub it on there, it'll help. And I, I tell you what, you can, <laughs> you can use it like this and this. And he, he gave me this little cocktail. 
sure enough, this stuff worked. And plantains is that little weed that we got here in Alabama that you kind of make a little slingshot thing out of. You know what I'm talking about? I know plantains, like the things that are like bananas that yeah, they cook yeah. down in they're, Jamaica. That's also called that. But yeah. they're related to some, there's something It's not related here. at all. It's okay, just a weed that's Alabama by thing. the same name. Yeah. Some Alabama weed. And I may right. be pronouncing it wrong, but it's spelled like that, plantain. Okay. Plantain. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I yeah, could see that It's not the banana thing. It's a weed here in Alabama that we, we use them to like wrap the stem around itself and like use it as a little... Launcher, like a slingshot, launch the top off of it. Okay, people. Yes, know what I'm I've done about. that before. Yes, you've done it. So the leaves. Oh my of that, gosh, that's a long. God, I hadn't thought of that in of that years, weed right since there I was a kid. Man, is a natural um, poison oak healer. Really? And my brother knew that, and so he he has that natural naturalistic intelligence. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, and I see by his posts that he makes a lot of times it's right, it's yeah. nature, it's stories about nature. It's yes, he loves nature. Looking off the top of the mountain, out across from Chandler Mountain, there, yeah, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Right on, brother. So that is the eight um, types or of intelligence put forth by what's his name? Start Howard Gardner. Gardner, nineteen eighty-three. Now he came back later and said that he considered the possibility of there being more, but he does have a specific criteria mm-hmm. for these intelligences. Okay. Okay. So he suggested there are eight intelligences and a possibly ninth known as existential intelligence. Oh, okay. Is that like extraterrestrial? Ex- no, existential different. is the root word of exist. Yeah, like why are we here? Type stuff. Like a existential threat. An existential threat or an existential Would be philosopher. A to your existence. existence. Yeah. And but if you think about that, it's about being life smart. It's about the why are we here? The big questions. So I think if you added that one, that one's important to me for sure. Uh, maybe people who have a big focus on the spiritual side of things. Um, that's one. Certainly, that's not the only focus of the, you, the idea of existentialism. Right. But your spirit, your your body, your being. Why are we here? Why do we do this? Why does any of this matter? Type stuff. Yeah. So, but now, Keith, I will say this: not everybody agrees with Gardner's theory, right? Right. It's fallen under a lot of criticism. And I and I have one guy to talk about. If you want me to add that in there, or yeah, go, we ahead, go after yours, so. no, you go ahead. I don't. Okay. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. I will say this: that we've done podcasts that are about very hard scientific topics. I don't yeah. mean hard as in difficult, but hard. The hard sciences are like chemistry and physics and yeah. stuff like that. You know, when we say the theory of gravity or something, yeah. well, we're not talking about a little idea about maybe this is how it works. I mean, or in chemistry, you know, there's. You mix this and you mix that, and this is happening every time. Yeah, exactly. You know, this you, stuff is a little more fluid than that. Yeah, it's it's in process, Key. Right. I don't want to say it's certainly not what you would call the pseudoscience. Brain is complex. It's John. very complex, very and complex. we have only yet begun. I we guess have not even come close to mapping psychiatry and psychology is just not at the place on the scale as yeah. far up the road to understanding behavior and intelligence the way that we understand. What happens when you mix certain chemicals together? Right. So, this other guy, though, John. What was his name? Bocephus Jenkins? <laughs> no, it's not Bocephus. Okay, never mind. Um, it's Barry Kaufman, oh, Andy's brother. Okay. Yeah. Him and, and we did a. Hey, by the yeah. way, whatever number that was, go check out our podcast on Andy, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. He's yeah. a nut job of the highest degree. 
And we say that all the time. People, our listeners may need to know that when we say that, they're probably not really brothers, that we just always say that for some reason. <laughs> right. So is those brother. Uh, anytime exactly. we have the same last name as somebody else, exactly. we always say that. Um, but anyway, this guy was a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. So okay. I would say that he's he, he's done pretty well for himself, wouldn't you say, John? Sure. I mean, I mean that's a pretty good job. Oh yeah, man. I mean, he's a professor at professor at a university, university of higher learning. So I like it. I'm okay with it. Well, this particular professor, John, grew up in special education classes. He was in them himself. Himself. Wow. Okay. And so he is a walking embodiment of the fact of the matter that IQ is not the end all. You know what I mean? Right. And um. And so I guess because of his own personal experience. Is he autistic or has he got something else going on? Or he no, just was no, thought not was to be just, very uh, smart when he was? He just took a little bit more time to think about things like um, you're talking about the Ugandan, the Ugandan society does. Right. And, and he said that all these tests were time tests. And so like back in his day, you take these tests and then you're automatically grouped one way or another. And right. so he just got grouped with Yeah, you've with got them. like yeah. one hour to do yeah. this. And so he just got grouped with them and grew up with it his whole life. And so anyway... He said that IQ tests, they, do, they measure a set of skills that are important to a society, but they don't tell the full, the full story of potential. Um, and so he come up with something that he calls personal intelligence. He says more than just executive function. Executive function, John, is that part of your brain that is focused attention, self-control, and problem-solving. It's like the left part of your brain lights up when you're taking like these IQ tests. Right. Well, what he said, though, is that actually um, goals and engagement is very important. And um, engagement helps people push forward, even though other people may think they should have gave up by now. And so what he's saying is that when you have a goal or when you're determined to do something, it's kind of like determination, right, John? So determination helps you to push forward. Um, And he also talks about how engagement actually lets a person switch between focused attention and mind-wandering, which would be considered daydreaming. And so, John, what do we think about daydreamers and mind-wanderers? First thing I think is... Daydream believer <laughs> and a homecoming queen. Dream. Yeah, there dream, you go. So well, you know what? I like to daydream a lot. Yeah. And we just think, I guess we think it's kind of flippant, Keith, because in general, what's valued in school and what's yes. valued in society is the linguistic and logical mathematical stuff. Yes. Put a clock on that and boom. If you can't do that, you're not smart. And in all honesty daydreaming it's just like what we think of daydreaming is when you lose your focus right and so if you're daydreaming that means you're actually not focused on the task which means you're you're not doing good you're not doing the right thing yeah i could see that so he he hooked up an mri to a bunch of people's heads okay and he looked at the different parts of the brain that have daydreaming and the part that have the executive function that i was talking about a second ago right which lights up for iq tests Right? Exactly. Get this, John. He would give them things to try to figure out creatively, like a creative problem-solving problem, and they'd have to come up with a creative solution for something, right? Absolutely. Both parts of the brain lit up when they were trying to figure this stuff out. So the part that was daydreaming and the part that was executive function were both used 
in trying to come up with a creative solution to these problems. Right. And so it's taboo to, to daydream, but it's actually a useful thing. And what he's trying to say is that engagement helps you switch back and forth between those things. When you're engaged in something, when you have a goal set, you know, sometimes you may be daydreaming, but a lot of times, you know, when you're daydreaming, John, is when you're doing something that's not that task. Right, exactly. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And so Absolutely. when you have a goal, it's like even if you're doing something else, you're daydreaming about that goal. And so, like, I may be mowing grass, but I'm sitting here thinking about that problem I need to solve. That's daydreaming. Right. We may think that's flippant, like you said. And so what he's trying to say is that in the end, and this is a quote from him, in the end, hard work can be just as important to success as IQ. Oh, I believe it. Well, you remember what I said earlier? The yeah. idea, the Brain Joe guy said that, that hard work trumps talent. He really didn't hold much stock in the idea of intelligent, or uh, talent, rather which means this idea of innate intelligence. Yeah. Like that this person is born smarter than this person or that. And you know that I mentioned the triarchic theory of intelligence earlier, Keith. Yes, triarchic. And um, Robert Steinberg is who proposed that. And he had that section, remember, called creative intelligence, which is kind of what Kaufman is saying. Right. In his thing, it says, that is the ability to go beyond what is given to create novel and interesting ideas. This type of intelligence involves imagination, innovation, and problem solving. Right. So your imagination... Yeah. I mean, that's what daydreaming is. When I daydream, I'm not going to tell you what I daydream about, Keith. But <laughs> when I'm driving around, I've got hours, sometimes I'm daydreaming about a specific scenario. Right. Or a specific topic, something. And, and what Kaufman said is it, is during those times is a lot of times where we have the, when we connect the dots, when we come up with, with some thought that's like, oh, that's, that's Wait it. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Boom, boom. The light bulb moment, right? All right, Keith. I like this Kaufman guy. Tell me again where he's at now. The University of who? Um, University of uh, Pittsburgh. Is that what I said? University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Sorry. Okay. Well, I like it. Is he a contemporary Not fella? Pittsburgh, Obviously, he is if he's hooking up MRIs to people's brains and image and stuff. So he's a pretty right, yeah, modern pretty guy. Modern, yeah. Where some of these guys, you know, this whole field of what we're talking about intelligence started in the 1800s. But most of the stuff we covered today was 19. You know, like nineteen, what? Just nineteen, early nineteen hundreds, nineteen fifteen to like yeah. two thousand mm-hmm. or nineteen eighty three. But this guy's newer, and I like that mm-hmm. because now we have all these amazing tools that you can see what lights up and what's connected and yeah. what's happening when this is happening, kind of stuff that these guys couldn't even begin to have imagined. Right, and and I like the concept of IQ not being. The most important thing. Oh, you could have an, a high IQ. So let me throw something in, Keith, and, and let me ask you a question. And set it on a shelf, right? Exactly. Because I, that's what I tell my oldest son, because he has a fairly high IQ. And I'm like, you know, he got tested for gifted or whatever. And I just try to remind him that, you know what, you, you can have that a high IQ, but you don't want to set it on a shelf and do nothing with it. Right, you Exactly. Know? Um, it can be useful to you for sure. I'm not it saying can. the IQ is nothing. I mean, surely. Right. You know, in our society, culturally, it does measure certain things. Right. That are generally valued in our society. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about this, Keith, and then we'll ask a couple of questions. There's something else, one of those things that not all people agree is a thing or is not a thing, but we think it's a thing, so we're going to talk about it. And it's called emotional intelligence. Okay. And yeah. then we'll kind of wrap it up. 
So emotional intelligence refers to the ability key to recognize the meanings of emotions and to reason and problem solve on the basis of them. So there's four general categories of this idea of emotional intelligence. So I would say it's mostly dealing with people. then, Right. right. Yeah. Well, it's two, two things. Okay. Two categories, and we've already talked about some of them. We'll kind of relate it back to the interpersonal and intrapersonal. Yeah. It's based on those aspects of Gardner's intelligences. Okay. All right. So you've got self-awareness. Yes. Okay. You've got self-management. Okay. To basically manage yourself based on your awareness, so emotional control, adaptability, achievement orientation, and positive outlook, Keith. And then you've got a couple that are more outward-looking, like the interpersonal. Social awareness. Yeah. Empathy and organizational awareness and relationship management. Yeah. So it's your ability to know yourself and to know others and to relate to others in a compassionate and caring way. And there's a lot of people, John, that think that EQ, is that it, EQ? EQ or EI. EI. Emotional intelligence <laughs> or emotional quotient, some yeah, people okay. call it. That the EQ or EI will take you further in life than the IQ will. Well, right. We'll look at the little headings under relationship management. Influence, mm-hmm. coach and mentor, conflict management, teamwork, inspirational leadership. Yeah, that's crazy. If you yeah. can, speaking of, you know what this makes me think of? Have you ever watched that show Ted Lasso? I don't know if I have. It's on Apple TV. I don't think so. I had heard of it, and it got really high ratings. But I started watching it a couple of nights ago, and it is freaking brilliant, Keith. Oh, really? So, quick version is this. Premier football league team in England. The husband is a philandering piece of turd. <laughs> yeah. He gets a divorce from his wife. She ends up with the football team, and she wants to run it into the ground. Oh, wow. So here's a guy just to hurt him. But here's this guy, Ted Lasso. He's a football coach in the United States of America. Doesn't even know what soccer is. But went to some middle-level college football team, let's say it was Jacksonville State, and took them from no wins in one year to the national champions yeah. of their respected league the next year. Yeah. So she decided she's going to get this Ted Lasso guy to come over to England and coach a Premier League soccer team, of uh-huh. which he knows nothing about soccer, Yeah. the Premier League. Because she's trying to run it into ground. Because she's trying to run it into ground. But this guy's infectious enthusiasm, positivity, he he is uh, he would score off the scale on emotional intelligence. He is so aware of what's going on. He knows nothing about this sport, but he knows everything about people. Yeah, and he can read that locker room and tell, okay, if I can get this guy and this guy working together. Yeah, not going to jump on him. Not going to preach to him. I'm just going to act like I'm some bumpkin from Kansas. So does he turn it around, John? Well, I'm only getting into it just barely, but oh, okay. he he's winning over everybody the slowly. People want to sure. know, John, but. Nobody, you know, everybody thinks he's a nut job. Yeah. But he doesn't care because he's aware of his own self. Right. <clears throat> That's part they, of it. they're like, this yeah. guy's an idiot from America, and he knows nothing about. That'd be like if some soccer coach who coached a college team in England came over here and now is the coach at the University of Alabama or yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers or something. I will say, John, that is part of knowing yourself. When you know yourself really well, you really don't care that much about what people think about exactly, you. Exactly, You do to an extent because you have empathy. Right, you know, sure. and, and it's not like you want to hurt people's feelings. I'm not saying that. Uh, I don't think that's an excuse to be a butthole. That's not what I'm oh, saying. No. We don't want to be a butthole. No, but w- other people sometimes say things about you to other people or to your face 
And if that bothers you, you know, maybe you need to think about do you know yourself very well? Because if you're pretty confident who you are, it shouldn't bother you. It shouldn't you know? bother you, Keith. It shouldn't. So let's get down to the meat of this. All right. We've talked about multiple intelligences. We've talked about IQ, EQ, all of what Gardner says, this triarchic stuff. We've hit stuff like street smart, book smart, walking around sense. Yeah. Keith, at the end of the day, if you had to have a little bit of some of this stuff, what's going to make you be not successful in terms of any kind of necessarily American notion of success, but successful as a human being who's living a good life, blessing others and taking care of his family? What kind of intelligence do we need to do okay. that, Keith? Well, John, that brings me to the last thing I wrote down on my page. All right. Which I say I personally think that not only is IQ not the only indicator of success, it can help, sure, but it's not the only indicator because sure. you got grit and hard work and, you know, what we're talking about, engagement and focus and goals and stuff like that, determination, perseverance, determination. all these things, right? It's not the only Absolutely. indicator of success, but also, John, success itself is subjective very much so so what i might consider successful somebody else may not consider successful very much so that's why i mentioned earlier about making sure we're not arguing about definitions right of what success is or what intelligence is or anything like this and so i would say john that of all these different ones the one that would be most important for life you know, let's forget whether or not you're talking about success or not, but just in life in, in general. In life in general, that's what I'm shooting for. It'd be Keith. like uh, the EQ, you know, the emotional intelligence, because I believe if you're able to know yourself and relate with others pretty well, you're going to do well in life. You know, you're I think so too, man. Do well in your relationships, but also even in your job, you know. Right. So. I think that's most important too, Keith. If you can throw in a high EI or EQ. Now, people with high IQs, John. Sometimes they can't get they're along. Gonna, they're going to hate people. that. They're going to hate me saying that. That's okay. That's their superpower, and I'm taking it away. Yeah, from Yeah, we them, don't John. care. All you, if you're too, well, let's put it this way, Keith. We're kind of setting an IQ limit on this show. You know, Tesla, you got an IQ of 189. You're probably not listening to Flumadale. You're going to want something a little more solid than your somewhat reliable source of information. Yeah, Tesla. He's not listening to Flumadale. Anymore. He's not. He's he's been long gone. <laughs> he's long gone. He's, he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> But you know what? I agree, Keith. If you have the ability to understand and know yourself, um, be merciful and compassionate with yourself. Yeah. And to be able to understand and connect with others, to be able to see people going through a hard time, right. making stupid decisions, and maybe not judge them on that, yeah. but understanding, okay, there's something going on here, and I know how to connect with them. Yeah. I know how to pray for them. I know how to be there for them. If you can have a compassionate and relational intelligence, which is the EQ kind of thing, add yeah. to that, Keith. A good, strong, heaping dose of being street smart, book smart, and having right. common sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know what I've heard, Keith? Common sense ain't so common these days. <laughs> sure, right. It's a superpower is what I heard. Yeah. That's, that's so what instead I of IQ, we're going to take common sense as our superpower. Right. Because we are your somewhat intelligent podcast here, Keith. <laughs> somewhat intelligent, <laughs> man. Well, Keith, I think you're a delightful, intelligent fellow, and I'm glad to do this podcast with you. I enjoyed it, man. All right, I'm John. I'm Keith. And we can be reached at doyouflummadiddle at gmail.com. Or doyouflummadiddle.com. And be on the lookout here before too long. we got something new we're kind of working up on called ExcelFi. Which is basically and like financial coaching in a nutshell, right? It's about having financial intelligence, Keith. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. That's well, it, and, and And you know what ExcelFi is all about? What's that? We want people to have all the resources in the world to 
follow their dreams and be generous. Because I feel like that's what people really want to do. Right. And so Excel thought all about helping you get there. All right, man. Sounds good. Yeah. All right.